Okay, I got it. Jason, please get out of my room. Okay. <laughs> there it is. Contagion. Please continue. Thank you for this, listening to Trial of a formerly... Ah, oh, fuck! Harry, what's up? <laughs> Nothing. No, it's gone. It's fine. You're, he was just going to say how great of a bit it is, and he's so glad we do it every time. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's what I was going to say. Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, and especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Thank you for listening to Trilove, a formerly literal roundtable podcast formerly about the movies we saw at the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. You can find them on Twitter at Trilon Cinema. Uh, if you've noticed, uh, this is not Jason Daphnis doing the hosting duties. Uh, this is Aaron. I'm stepping in for today uh, as Jason didn't see the movie. Shame on Jason. Uh, you can find me on Boo. Twitter at RB, please. Uh, Cody. <laughs> Thanks. As he said, uh, I'm Cody. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. I think I'm next, right? Uh, I'm Harry. You can find me at Shiitake Harry. And even though we don't have Jason, we have someone even better. That's right. Uh, We have a special guest, Kyle Olson. Hello. I am Kyle. I didn't really throw you very well, but yeah, that's... Hey, oh! That's all right. No, and um, I have a Twitter, but you shouldn't follow me because it's all dumb shit. It's trained. No, it's great. It's, it's mostly local like infrastructure. Follow Kyle on Twitter. Yeah. Sometimes he's I tweet a, angry things good. at the soccer team that I purport to like. <laughs> really like good real angry fan. things too. Yeah, uh, Kyle. Two questions. One: Any relation to uh, Detective Olson, previous podcast guest, Detective Olson? Uh, no, unfamiliar with any detectives in my family. Okay. Uh, second of all, uh, we've tried to get you on the podcast before. Uh, some things have fallen through once or twice. Um, but uh, I noticed that you, you're, you're finally guessing on the podcast where you don't have to be in a room with us. There's something about uh, the way we smell. They Is it like, the slightly uh, greasiness of one Aaron Grossman? Yeah, I, I really don't. I can't, I can't handle slight grease. It's got to be full grease or no grease. Oh, yeah. no, Grossman. Oh, I hate you, Kyle. Aaron he he smells, oh, falls right, if, right in the, the bad zone, the slightly greasy yeah. zone. The uncanny valley. Slightly smelly, slightly greasy, no good. Uh, Well, thanks for being on the episode. Uh, Today we are talking about uh, Contagion uh, 2011. Uh, Here here is the whole summary I have for this film. Contagion is Steven Soderbergh's film about a global pandemic. Hey, hold on real quick. Is this where I drop in the bit bit about how Aaron is bad at recapping movies in brief? Yes. Yes. Kyle gets it already, man. He's already (laughs) like on board. Kyle, uh, okay, do the bit. Say, Say what you need to say. I think he just did. I think I just I did. It. What are you talking about? Okay. Here's the <laughs> That's the bit. Your ass is already Contagion, gone, bro. 2011. Steven Soderbergh's film about a global pandemic and the international response and effort to develop a virus. That is my summary. That's one sentence. Wow. That is far and away the best summary you have ever done. Yeah. You can't, hey. I'm silently applauding. Well, hey, and to be fair, this movie sort of uh, 
prevents you from doing the normal run on um, thing because it's more like a Love Actually style movie than like uh, uh, Yo, you know what I mean? Take. Like, yeah. like it doesn't it doesn't like have a main character you follow and and Aaron can't get caught up in the divergences of you know specific plot points because we're just following a bunch of different people. Yeah, it actually <laughs> fragments into subplots pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, you, you think that the main character is going to be like Gwyneth Paltrow, and then she fucking or even dies. or even <laughs> Matt Damon, you know, and and, yeah. and even yeah. he is is not in it all that much. He's barely in the movie. Yeah, I think I mean, him and Kate Winslet are kind of the main characters. I would say, although sort Kate Winslet of, also, I don't know. I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne takes over for a while, and then uh, Jennifer uh, Ely is that how you pronounce that her name? Cody Ellie Ely. Ellie? Okay. She kind of takes yes. over uh, for a while. Who, who never gets enough screen time. No. Uh, uh, I'm talking about the woman who develops the vaccine. Uh, spoilers, I guess. Um, Aaron. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought you were talking... Uh, who is Matt Damon's daughter in this? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Name. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, uh, Sorry, she Matt also Damon's has daughter? kind of a large... Just so- yeah, I know. <laughs> we'll, we'll look it up. This is an interesting film. I have this, I think, with a lot of uh, Stevens films. Uh, like, you know, Ocean's Eleven has the same Stevens thing. Stevens like, films. Stevens films. Uh, He's I right, the only notable director called? named Steven. I totally Steven. look at all of these characters as who they are as celebrities, <laughs> and I do not. I do not think of them as their character or their character yeah. names, right? Which is not like a uh, not to the detriment which, of the which film. Which is like especially funny considering Dimitri Martin is a CDC doctor in this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. <laughs> no, uh, I actually, I, I am with you, uh, Aaron, up to the point where you said it wasn't a detriment to this movie. I absolutely think it is, to be honest. Um, particularly really. because, like, the first thing, and I know that this is silly and, like, author's intent doesn't matter and everything, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, um, <laughs> the, first, the first thing that the themes and analysis section of this Wikipedia page says about this movie is that cool, Steven Soderbergh uh, set out to make a hyper-realistic contagion movie. Um, and that's, like, the reputation that this movie has, right? Is that there's something about the plotting and the sure. scope and the uh, framing and focus that makes this movie like more realistic and 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 therefore more sort of blood curdling and scary than a uh, more sure. traditional movie would be. I think that like maybe the biggest detriment to this is the fact that every single famous person who was alive in 2011 is in this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I also it's like a distraction, right? Because it's like you know, like I, I don't see you know, a world health organization epidemiologist. I see Marion Cotillard, you know, I mean, yeah. and, 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 and Matt Damon, wow, Kyle. Wow. you know, I mean like it's, and Something to think about, I guess the character that I would say that like least inhabits that space is Jude law. Yeah. Uh, who, who, who rather than being like sort of a, you know, like suave, sexy guy is like a, like total scumbag and just like the most detestable person being. in the world. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So th- that, that might be the one exception to that, but um, yeah, that's a really interesting subplot. A very, I, my favorite thing about this movie is the fact that it's the most 2011 movie I think I've ever seen. It's like mm. a weird extreme time capsule. Um, to the point where, like, it ended up being a totally different viewing experience than I thought it was going to be. I mean, I I thought I was going to freak myself out watching this uh, because, you know, um, maybe we should talk about this. Like, obviously, the reason we're recording on this movie is, <laughs> is because of the coronavirus, COVID-19. Uh, we didn't bring that up yet. But, uh, yeah, we're all in our homes right now. We're social distancing from one another. Right. Um, so and- for, for those listening to this in the year uh, 21, 26... Uh, you know, and, and not unable to place this in history. Uh, COVID nineteen is very uh, active in 
threatening us right now. So we're recording this remotely. There's yeah. going to be a day when people talk about it like they talk about like Spanish flu. You know what I mean? It's like, eh, yeah, Spanish flu. You know, uh, it's not really a thing I think about. doesn't impact me. Uh, but it, it impacts every aspect of my life right now. So that's fun. Fun thing. Well, didn't the EPA just suspend uh, environmental compliance um, laws in the in the wake of COVID nineteen? Wasn't that a thing that just happened pretty recently? Maybe not yeah. the EPA. Uh, maybe somebody. Yeah. So, some, so I'm some, thinking some suite of regulations. I don't. I don't pretend yeah. to know the whole scope of it, but. So that's very cool. So I'm thinking instead of the Spanish flu, we'll just get a thing where this will just sort of roll into. Uh, a bevy of climate apocalypse disasters, and so nobody will ever really talk about anything, right? Because like it'll it'll be over before we get the chance to do that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the, what's up? Part of the the reason, well, part, tying this kind of to to what's going on right now, and then also your comment about this being a very 2011 movie. I think part of the reason that this movie has a reputation for being hyper realistic is it was kind of not right on the heels, but it was. It was after kind of the 2000s era of like disaster films, which were hyper unrealistic. Oh, interesting. Right? Yeah, that's the a day after tomorrow. Framing. I was yeah. the day after tomorrow is 2004, so it's like that's probably right. a bit of a stretch, right? But that was that was like the thing that you thought of when you thought of di- disaster movies is like big disaster movies, right? right like, yeah. it's like, like the movie 2012, you know, where it's yeah. like it's like this yes. obscenely ridiculous. When did was that 2011? Did I, that come out 2011? I think it probably was, but 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 it's you know I think I think you're right. Is like this was like a ground a disaster grounded in something that like seems plausible. I mean, I mean, yeah, you know, yes. Well, like, do you guys do you guys want to guess? Can we take bets? Uh, go around and say what year you think the movie 2012 was made. 2010. Real- 2009. Uh, yes, 2009. They did that shit three years before. Although that's when I guess the Facebook memes were starting to come out about my prophecies, right? Yeah, they had to get ahead of the curve. God, yeah. we had three years of that bullshit before 2012 just flipped to the calendar page and nobody cared anymore. It's brutal. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Continue with uh, what you were saying. <laughs> um, I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, uh, and I mean to give this movie. Um, some credit um, in terms of the quote unquote hyper realism it's like it's not just about the sort of like uh, relative down to earthness this this movie does a lot with like the the sort of like framing and what it's interested in um, from a plot perspective that makes it feel sort of like ripped from the headlines like semi docudrama e right yes. where like like you said, it doesn't follow a single main character. It very much feels like a documentary, like style. Right. You know, like, it, like that's what at least going in for. terms of like where the focus is and like where we spend time in scenes. It like it switches between like CDC response professionals to like this family on the ground to what's happening in Hong Kong with um, Marion Cotillard's character. Although they disappear for most of the movie, um, and she's a member of the World Health Organization, and so like we get to see. The, the virus develop and then we follow the initial response to like a, a wider scale response. And so like, as opposed to being a, a drama that follows a character through a disaster, it follows the disaster and the disease itself as the main character, which is interesting and probably more realistic uh, in terms of um, what people mean when they say that. Yeah. It, uh, I, I think that it, it does this interesting thing that, um, it seems like Soderbergh is, is less concerned with, with some kind of grand thematic or like, you know, this kind of look at this existential crisis or portraying uh, the virus in like this kind of 
very thematic or metaphorical manner. And he, it's more that he kind of lets those moments kind of flow from the uh, like literal events of the film. Right. Uh, like some of the some of the moments that, that struck to me, you know, the most were kind of few and far between in that manner, like the Kate Winslet uh, right before she dies, her trying to hand her jacket to a to a guy who's like, I think he's like, he, he's, he's cold. so cold. Yeah. yeah, he's he's very cold. And she attempts to uh, give him her jacket and then it immediately cuts to her being put into a grave like yeah. a second later. Which is that like was, such a dark moment, but also like very rare in this film. There's only like one or two moments like that to me. Um, early early on, there they set the tone pretty well with some really dark imagery, uh, with Gwyneth Paltrow's character dying, and then a couple of other people dying. Like the guy on the Minneapolis bus dies. Um, there are some really affecting scenes. I think also the the one that got to me the most or scared me the most was the Kate Winslet scene as well, Aaron. Uh, because like they they show her die and like first of all the movie does this a couple times they do it with uh with Gwyneth Paltrow but they kill off characters that you kind of think have plot armor a little bit yeah uh, which is like it's like a it's like a yeah. classic trick but like it still works where like I didn't think Kate Winslet was gonna die right like I I didn't think that that was something that they were gonna do or she the, died at the end right that would be right. kind of the the big thematic trade off right she'd have like a character arc right. And, like, maybe self-sacrifice or something. But instead, she dies, like, I want to say, like, at the beginning of the second act, right? Like, it's relatively yeah, early. Fairly early she on. Get, she gets the, the illness around, and I checked the the runtime or whatever. It was about 45 minutes, and then she ends up dying about 15 minutes later. Um, okay, so and that's that was, later than I thought. Yeah, and that was a pretty severe moment, I guess, for me, too. because Like, that smash edit from her lying down giving she's trying to hand off her coat and then it immediately cuts to her in a body bag uh like in a similar not, position not even in a body bag right i wasn't that the scene where or, they ran out no that or yeah she was in like a, a plastic semi-transparent bag yeah, i don't and, know i guess they, i don't know if you call that they a ran out bag. of blankets right. before, yeah right. yes they dump her in a mass grave so we get to see a mass grave <laughs> and uh this is a maybe a, a creepy thing to say, I think mass graves always like work really well on camera at doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is like oh, freaking yeah. freaking the shit out of me. Show like, the direness I, of the situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I every time I see it, even in like like relatively over the top movies like V for a Vendetta or something, it like it's always like ah fuck, like I hate looking at that. Um, yeah, and and then <laughs> there are two guys who are like, uh, when did we run out of body bags? And they have like a little conversation about it. Uh, it's a really that's a really affecting scene. Yeah. Especially now when we're also running out of resources, uh, yeah. on our, on, you know, in the real world. Side note, um, because um, there are it, it, there are these characters, um, or, or excuse me, we're talking about Kate Winslet's arc. Uh, mm -hmm. Her like sidekick that she gets when she comes to Minnesota is just this like big doofy guy from the Department of Health. And it's just like he, that casting. I don't know who this guy is, but picture perfect he was like exactly what you expect like some doofy minnesota health department bureaucrat to look like and do and you know like kate winslet's like you know like dude you gotta be smarter you gotta stop touching your face you stop know? touching yeah. your face game I, I gotta say that the the i know the celebrity casting may be a bit of a, a problem for some people but the all of like the side characters are so perfectly like yep, yes. that's just like a government agency dude like yeah, 100 that is good. a minnesotan ass minnesotan you know, it's, right it's there funny and then, because that, sorry and then go that ahead, Kyle. well that and then that woman who is like you know we can't shut down the malls this is the biggest shopping weekend of the year or whatever and it's like oh my god like we're <laughs> i don't know like, you, you can just i i just like know the exact kind of person that that you know 
that character local is politics. To be. Kyle has I mean, met this person. Yeah, we, a few yeah. times. Uh, we've seen this person yeah. on local uh, news right now, right? Like we right during this crisis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's just like like, but but that casting was just, I think, really well done. Uh, I agree funny. with Aaron. I agree with Aaron that that um, uh, as distracting as the celebs can be, um, some of the the secondary characters I thought were really well done. Can, can it, I uh, uh, pull my? Oh, sorry, Harry, you go ahead. No, I'm no. sorry. Go ahead. I was going to change subjects, so oh, this is a... Well, I was going to say that I had an interesting relationship with the, the side characters, too, which is that, like, I had a lot of different positions on the reality versus unreality of this movie as we watched it. Um, I thought, like, first of all, I think the celebrities are still a, a major problem for it in terms of, of um, contradicting the sort of groundedness that the movie's clearly going for. Uh, but the, the casting, the side casting helps with that a lot. And also, um, <clears throat> I think that the, the script at first really didn't work for me. In fact, I think that the actual moment to moment dialogue writing in this movie is uh, mediocre at best, maybe too, too very poor. Actually, if you look at it, like on the page, like if you look at, but then when I, when I heard it coming out of the mouths of these extras, it actually worked for me in a really weird way where I started to think like, you know what, actually like this is how people talk during pandemic. People sound dumb. Sometimes. Because there, because there is no good way to talk about. Like you sound like you're silly characters in a movie. Because like, what else do you t- like? That's those were the kinds of conversations I had with my coworkers, right? Where I that's was just like, super interesting, Harry. I think you're totally right about that. It's just like there's there's some sense in which like unreality is the reality of a situation like this. Yes. Where it's just like what do you what do you do? Like you have to talk about it in weird terms where like all of a sudden everybody's like pseudoscientists and all of yeah, the, all the of a sudden everybody's sound like weird. Like I I have casual yeah. conversations with my friends right now about the R not of this disease and like the public health <laughs> benefits of wearing a mask. You know what I mean? And like yeah. all of these things that like you know, like I, if you wrote down the words that I'm saying out loud and I read them, I would be like, what the hell? Who is this clown? You know what I mean? But, but yeah. I'm saying them, I'm having these conversations. And I think that um, maybe that is uh, actually like a credit it's, it's to the weird. It's, in a way. Right. It's gotten in to the point way. where I, I don't, I don't talk about it with people at work. Like I, I'm fortunate enough. I'm one of the fortunate people that is able to work from home. Uh, so it's not like I'm interacting with too many of my coworkers anyway, but it's gotten to the point where like, especially before I was allowed to work from home, I literally just wouldn't talk about it. Cause it's like, this conversation is going to be just the dumbest thing. <laughs> and I work with a lot of smart people, but it's like sure. a lot of smart people think a lot of really dumb shit oh, about absolutely. the news. Right. Um, and it's like, yeah, I'm not having a conversation about what, how not bad you think this is going to be or whatever. Yeah. You know I mean, what I mean? Like, or, or even, even if, even if they're not stupid about it, right. It's, there's a, there's a sense in which it's like, there's nothing intelligent. I have nothing intelligent to say about coronavirus. Right. It's like, it's very scary. I'm very worried well, about I think my, beyond that, like, here, I think, sorry, go ahead, Kyle. No, finish oh, your thought. Oh, I was going to say it's, it's like, it's scary. I'm worried about everyone, particularly people who don't have the resources I have. Uh, and I'm going to stay inside. And like, that's all that I know and want to say about it. Right. And it, it's so like, there's a sense in which it's like talking about it more than that at a certain point becomes sort of uh, self-defeating. Sure. Yeah. Well, and, sure. And, and I think, I think the other thing too, is like, you know, it, it, the, the characters in this movie, especially the really smart, um, you know, CDC and, and, and World Health Organization people, you know, they're like, you saw this sort of thing in reality too, right? Where it's like, they're, at first they're kind of like, we don't really know what this is. We can't, you know, we don't want to go over the top. Um, but you've got a few people who are really panicking and like really concerned about it right away. Um, and um, 
uh, you know, like that, that's happening in real life too. But, but there's also just the sense that like, there's so much you don't know, um, at the outbreak of a, of a virus or pandemic. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's true in, in the movie and that's true in, 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 in our reality. And so I think that that also kind of plays into what you're talking about, Harry, where, um, you know, like the, 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 what the characters are saying is, um, it feels kind of silly just like us having yeah. conversations about it feels kind of silly yeah. and it's just because like there's you can't know everything right away and like even, right. the very well, smart, all... even the very smartest people don't always have like the answers that you might think would be comforting or 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 sound smarter you know what i mean right yeah it's it was just a really interesting thing to like I, something that really bothers me about a lot of movie scripts is that people talk like they're in a movie. And I think that this, this, uh, this script is very guilty of that. But then I started to realize like, Hey, like I've been talking like I'm in a movie during this <laughs> outbreak. So like, yeah. maybe there's something to that, which is kind of cool. Um, that, that is yeah. what's interesting. Is, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Cody. I was just going to say that, that is a lot. Yeah. We, we can't like make eye contact with we, each other. Yeah. Which right. Is, we're not, uh, we don't have our usual, Right. We could use this handy raise hand feature, but I'm so scared to like start doing that in the middle of oh, the yeah, podcast and it Holy just shit, being is dumb. That a thing? Oh yeah, wow! Yeah, you can raise okay. hand. Yeah, look at that. Uh, uh, Cody, go oh, forth. Sure. Um, thanks, Aaron. Uh, shout out to host Aaron, who's doing a great job. Um, <laughs> the, that is sort of the and like I'm reiterating points that I think everybody here has, has touched on. That sort of accidental brilliance of like, uh, and I'm using brilliance in kind of air quotes because it is one of the few things I think. Uh, that this movie made and, and released in 2011, uh, like as a, a time capsule to now in the year 2020, as a similar crisis is, is happening, that like sort of translates well and it sort of works, that sort of thing where we don't really know what we're talking about. Things are changing all the time, like over the course of a single day, you know, minute to minute even, like we're getting new information. And this screenplay by design like it's this weird ceiling it operates under where we have what like six different narratives to get through and especially if yeah. you want to keep this movie at around 100 minutes like mm -hmm. we are going to be cutting some serious corners to communicate things not just about the virus but also as far as giving us reasons to care about these people that we're listening to like mm -hmm. give, giving us reasons to give a shit that Kate Winslet is like here and and has this virus and dies you know halfway through the movie um and that like works well with the fact that this is a, a virus that we don't know a lot about um oh, which we, like we maybe a it, and it that's a, yeah which is interesting yeah sorry true. go ahead Cody. oh no and i was uh like the only other thing just like we talked about the big scale uh disaster movies that this kind of came after the the spectacles like day after tomorrow even something like independence day they felt more concrete in their spectacle it's like okay we've got to avoid aliens like we don't really know what these aliens are but we know that they're aliens and that they're trying to kill us or we have to avoid it's the the cold or a big <laughs> like, wave of water through a library. Yeah, I I mean, you, you can see you can see the enemy you can see this exactly. on the ground you can see the aliens you can see right the, like gulf in the ground opening up in 2012 or whatever yeah. it and it, it's right. interesting that does this uh he, he does this amazing thing at the, especially at the beginning where like you're watching a movie called contagion you you know what's happening and he keeps focusing really close shots of like people just like touching shit just like or like coughing you know what i mean just like just little moments where it's like, yeah, you can't really see what's going on here, but like every time someone 
touches uh like a rail on yeah. a bus and then leaves the bus and the camera just lingers there you're like on the yeah, rail virus like, on that this, fucking this, this on, movie on has that a rail really, yeah it has a really good visual language for establishing um the like for re-scoping what you're looking at and what you're paying attention to in frame it does a really good job of presenting the contagion as a physical presence in the movie right like like you said in the way that it it focuses on the things that people touch and what people are doing moment to moment and how now we have to go back and re-examine that uh like detectives were like okay when did when did she get the infection right like that's that's one of the subplots that doesn't work for me very well but like gwyneth paltrow is the patient zero for america um she comes to america and infects somebody else and then dies and she got it in hong kong um in a uh like gambling hall and so like one of the subplots that happens is the movie continually cuts back non-diegetically i think i don't think that there's a there's an establishing frame for these scenes i think that it's just the movie itself showing us, but it goes back to Gwyneth Paltrow's day when she was infected and we get to watch the day happen and try to figure out and sort of piece together. Okay. Like this well, is when it happened. Yeah. Some of the, some of that is, is, is shown through the um, like security footage and, and the oh, investigation. Oh, that's right. There is. Yep. But, but Marion right. Cotillard is like investigating. Yeah. Okay. I, you're right though, Harry, at the very end, we do get that one scene where like the very genesis yeah. of the, you know what I mean? And one yeah, thing the that, last scene. One thing that I didn't notice the first time I watched this movie, like in probably 2011, and I did notice um, on the second rewatch I just did, um, was that like some of the characters that you later see um, kind of going about and, and, and being some of the first infected characters. I mean, you can see like that, that guy on the bus in Tokyo and, and one of the Conceito employees is walking around Hong Kong later. Um, you see them later on in like the security footage and in that investigation. And so you can actually kind of see like the individual character, like, you know, you know, we do this contact tracing or whatever. um, And, and, and that you can kind of see that happening in the movie, um, even if it isn't spelled out hundred percent for us every time. It's it's kind of subtle, except when it's not right. Like (laughs) the thing about the, the Gwyneth Paltrow scenes is that they are, they are shot straight up like Ocean's Eleven, you know what it's, I mean, or like it's probably so bad, Ocean, or Ocean's Twelve, even right where it's like the 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 characters are are watching Gwyneth Paltrow's character through security cam footage, yeah. but it's stylistically it's, it's cutting to her in the moment, you know, yep, yep. taking shots with people, it's eating so food with people. It's so salacious. It's so like like mischievous almost, where it's like like it's like they're having so much fun, like like with the Contagion as movie monster in those sequences and it's like yeah it kind of it kind of makes sense but it's pretty silly uh and also i think in my opinion uh i don't want to like like play my hand too much here uh, i think we'll probably get into it but like i think that those scenes the gwyneth paltrow scenes are like pretty xenophobic uh particularly the last scene maybe i'm hypersensitive to it right now given our current situation and the the chinese racism that's uh i will say um, that yeah in in regard to i was going to try and tie that into cuz this is a it's a film where the the virus originates in china uh there are obviously some parallels with uh, uh covid-19 as well as uh, a lot of the xenophobia around that um i guess i was thinking that the movie maybe redeemed itself a little bit with the side plot with Marion Cotillard's character, but maybe I'm wrong about that. If, if the Marion Cotillard subplot was more fleshed out, like if they, like if if they had given what, if they had basically flip flopped the time that Jude Law had on screen uh, with like Marion Cotillard, then I would, would have maybe felt better about that. Um, But 
she only had a couple appearances that were more or less bookending the movie. Um, and I, and I, I get what you mean, Aaron, but I, I feel like they needed to, to have like a, another beat or two to really get there. Um, well, I, I guess, um, and I think we should have a, a bigger conversation about how well we sort of think some of the arcs work. And, and I don't know if we want to go through one by one or how you want to structure that. But I, I, I basically just think that Marion Cotillard is story is it almost feels out of place um, in that it, it yeah. it's like so underdeveloped relative to some of the other characters that we get. Um, yeah. And I don't know that I, I don't know that there's like a plot that I would like to see less of, you know, in, in order for her to get more. But um, I just want to say one thing that, that Harry was talking about a little bit that I, I thought was interesting was, um, you know, establishing the, the virus's presence, you know, through, and Aaron was talking about this too, with the, with the touching and, and, you know, leaving, you know, things on, on the bus railings or the handles or whatever, um, and how that is sort of a focus of the movie, you know, dwelling on those those items and objects touched. Um, but one thing that I think is so f- kind of not funny about that, but I, I'm sure this is an experience you all are having, but I, I've seen a lot of people remark upon this about watching um, anything in pop culture right now that was recorded, you know, pre-coronavirus, um, um, where they're like, why are these people touching? Why are these people, you know, uh, next to each other? And, and you know, they have this visceral reaction yeah. to, to seeing just like people being near each other and strangers and stuff, um, you know, not social distancing. Um, and, and, and I, and I think that, I just think that's funny in, in the context of, um, th- this movie almost predicts that in, in, in kind of Very a way. Very much so. In fact, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> they, um, Sodenberg apparently actually like corroborated corroborated with uh, CDC and WHO uh, professionals on this, and you can really see it in some of the specific language. Like yeah. uh, Kate Winslet has a scene where she talks about the average person touches their face two thousand to three thousand times a day, and I was like, oh word, like damn, like it's it's actually like <laughs> impressive that that's like they're actually using like the real language that I have heard. <laughs> yeah, they use the term social distancing. Social distancing. I think in the movie. Yep, it- they Lawrence they Fishburne cite does. yeah they cite ten feet instead of six feet um but same idea yeah but I, I just think that's so funny um I, I mean again maybe funny is the right word but wrong word but but you it, you just see that um and and the fact that this movie like leans into sort of those interactions that you're like you know quote unquote not supposed to be having um yeah it's an interestingly mysterious movie. Every other, you know, bit of culture that we're consuming right now has those moments, but it's unintentional. Um, you know, it's just uh, <laughs> a product of not being, you know, made in a pandemic. So, and uh, like, I just it, think that's, that's kind of funny. It's a, it's a pretty, I mean, like, that's one of the key, like, moments of brilliance of this movie, right? Is that, like, one measure of success of a movie is, is how it gets you to rethink your own sort of, like, life. And, and I don't even mean in like, in like the big thematic ways. I mean, like literally like you watch this movie and you like you, at least for a day or an hour or whatever, like you are thinking about the surfaces that you're touching and like yeah. the pathogens that are in the environment around you, which is like, that's a, that's an immediate success for this movie. I think the movie like visually gets you there, right? Yeah. Like that's, yeah, that's a really interesting point. Um, should we take a step back and uh, summarize some of the subplots that are going on in this movie? Well, and, and, and I was talking about this with Cody when, when we couldn't hear each other, Harry. But one oh. of the things that I think might be interesting to do is um, kind of talk about those characters. I don't know if we want to go character by character or however. But, um, you know, like, for example, we started talking about Marion Cotillard and how her plot is um, it's just like 
you know, it's, it's kind of at the beginning, it's kind of at the end, and it feels like we're just like missing a lot of that story. And um, I don't know that it really works um, in the movie. I think that that is one of the the subplots that I, I don't know. I could have used more time with. Um, I think that I that's that's maybe the subplot that's most damaged by the 2011ness of this movie uh, and and the political ideological sensibilities therein. Um, because I think it's maybe my favorite subplot. But it's also the most like undermined by the movie, um, in in that like there's there's a really interesting. I, maybe we'll summarize it right. Uh, also, I haven't heard Aaron. Aaron, are you still here? I'm still here. Okay, just, sorry. Uh, like a like a uh, uh, a predator in wait, waiting for my time to jump in with something dumb to say. I've always said that about you, just yeah. like a predator yes. in wait. You, That's the Aaron yes. Grossman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. um. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I guess basically, uh, her, her her plot is that she is um, activated um, when the uh, you know virus starts to to show up, and she's activated to sort of um, do some contact tracing, um, and she works with some with a local government official um, who I think is played by the same guy who is uh, in the Dark Knight. He's the calculator. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so he's uh, the local. Chin Han. Con- he's a great actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the local guy that that um, that she's working with, and um, you know they they start doing some contact tracing, and they're looking for you know the spread of the disease, trying to figure out where it came from, um, and you know they experience some success with this, um, and then um, the local government official uh, uh, works with some people and kidnaps her and holds her hostage um, in order to make sure that his um, uh, village, I think it is, yeah, gets, they use village, um, yep. Yeah, the village is the term they use. You know, gets um, access to a treatment um, because you know he's, I, I think, fairly worried that um, small rural places are going to get left out of the response of this, and so he, he, she becomes well, and, captive. And he says that that the Hong Kong government. This is all taking place in Hong Kong. Um, yes, yep. that uh, that that the Chinese government is um, focused on urban populations and um, yes. and is maybe being neglectful of. Uh, um, the rural population, which that that was a, a semi-small problem for me. But anyway, uh, so how that culminates. And again, uh, when after the kidnapping, Kate Winslet is taken to this village where she is. Marion she experienced. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Marion Cotillard is taken to the village. She sees firsthand these uh, Chinese people there. Uh, there's a school full of Chinese children. They're all wearing face masks. They're all very afraid. Um, it cuts from her for like literally an hour. Uh, and then, like, it picks back up again uh, when they're doing the hostage handoff, where, like, they're receiving their supplies that they need for this village. Uh, Marion Coltiard is very briefly established as having bonded with the Chinese children in this um, school. It's like a teacher, yep. Right. And, and so, like, maybe we get the sort of impression, if not uh, the outright statement, that, like, her character arc is that she's she's learning, like, how how the common people are affected by this virus. Um, and so basically there's a handoff. She, she is taken back to uh, into the hands of the WHO. It's fine. They're in the airport. And then the stinger of this entire plot line is that her handler or whatever, her boss gives her the real cure and says, okay, like I, we gave you a um, placebo and we gave a placebo to those people because, and this is the thing that bothered me. Uh, pretty specifically, is that he goes, the Chinese government insisted 
that we do this. Like yeah. th- there's this there's this like very eleventh hour shifting of blame where it's like I was like pretty ready to be like oh like there is a semi radical reading happening here where it's like it turns out that like government constructions worldwide are not set up to protect people they're set up to protect institutions of power and uh, property and like that's what we're gonna get from this plot line is that like Sun Fang. The, uh, the local guy did nothing wrong, in fact. And, like, this was what he had to do to save his village, right? And, like, instead, yeah. we get this, this like, actually, it's it's that dastardly Chinese government's fault. And, like, we would have loved to give them the cure, but we didn't. Um, and then, well, to, the mo- to the movie's tenuous credit, Marion Cotillard stands up, and it's implied that she's going back to help them for real. Uh, we never get to see that. Yeah, I wonder, I, I, I do have to wonder, um, just as a practical matter, uh, what she intends to do um i mean tell them but like how does that help them get yeah, a better cure you know, it, it uh, the, yeah she's in an airport and does a thing where she starts running very quickly through an airport it's like what are you what are you doing it's uh, like it's not we're doing thought, anything i thought that this movie was going to have an extremely dark ending where marion coltiard the last scene was going to be mary marion coltiard arriving back at the village to find all of the children dead uh i think that's how the movie should have ended <laughs> But like God. I'm, I'm an Good asshole, take. I guess. But like, yeah, I disagree. Uh, I, I, I think it's a, I think that that that's a that's a more uh, courageous ending than the ending that we get. But uh, I digress. I think that that uh, maybe my big problem with this movie, uh, again, uh, maybe to put all my cards on the out on the table, is that like, it's it's fascinatingly comfortable with institutions. Um, it's. It's interesting that that this is a, apparently an existential threat movie because I did not come away with that impression. Um, this is a movie in which the government institutions are largely operating as they should be, uh, and we are right to have faith in them because they carry the day uh, and get everyone the help that they need in the end. I, I think that's interesting that you say that, though, in light of um, the, the the plot we just discussed with the World Health Organization, where they're yeah. the ones who. Um, do you know what I mean? They're they're yeah. the ones, which is who, the, which is why the Chinese thing is such a problem for me, right? Yeah, is that like it, it's they they make it super clear in this dumb like plot or uh, um like script only sort of capitulation that like oh no the Chinese government the communist Chinese government insisted that we don't help these terrorists. Interesting. Um, I, think, I, I, think, I think that's I, definitely set up that the 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 U.S. government is perfectly fine to go along with that. Um, I, I think though, okay, and, and maybe this is, um, and I don't, I don't pretend to know the, the the full sort of geopolitical situation around the World Health Organization, but you may have seen a video kind of circulating in the last couple of days of a Taiwanese journalist asking uh, a WHO official, um, you know, like, are you going to reconsider letting Taiwan join, you know, the World Health Organization? Because right now they're not allowed to be a part of that because the UN only or the World Health Organization only recognizes china and they sort of won't let taiwan be part of right the who and literally it's i think it's it's this 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 guy this official from the who literally just ignores the question and pretends that he can't hear her and and like just like powers through and um so i think that you know like i understand where you're coming from harry in in, in seeing that is like oh it's you know it's the chinese you know the bad guys it's you know the new russians the new 
you know, yeah. Middle East terrorist, you know, that's the bad guy. Um, I, I do understand that critique, but I, I, I do um, think I mean, that that's grounded in some reality. Yeah, because well, of- and Aaron's not wrong, right? In that, like, the whole point of the Hong Kong subplot was to humanize uh, Sun Fang. Like, I don't yeah. think he comes off bad in this movie. Like, no, he comes off as correct and doing what he's doing. In fact, even maybe more so because of the fact that he was given a placebo anyway. Right. There's a sense in which, it, like, well, if, if, like, he had to go to those lengths and he still didn't win, like, what are we, like, how can we... Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Like, where do we have to go from here? Um, and like, there's another subplot with Lawrence Fishburne where he tells his wife uh, early about the conditions. There was there's sort of like an eerie parallel between uh, the the um, members of Congress selling stock before um, <laughs> yeah. the coronavirus outbreak happens, uh, where he tells his wife about what she has to do and to get out of town before the official release. Um, of the information about the the disease that they're combating. Uh, and that's later used by Jude Law's character, who is this sort of like fake news conspiracy theorist um, yeah. to, to demonstrate how the government can't be trusted. Um, that subplot doesn't really work for me either because Lawrence Fishburne is still portrayed as as largely his heart being in the right place and, and being benevolent. Um, yeah. He he's portrayed as like a benevolent but human imperfect character, which is how I would characterize this movie's opinion of governments at large. Um, yeah, is sort of like imperfect and human and doing their best, but still ultimately like their heart is in the right place, and we should have faith in our institutions, right? I think I think one of the the moments, Harry, that is. Uh, illustrates that best is when they're uh i think it's brian cranston you know the the general guy who who seems to be running the government (laughs) you know during all this um he he says to 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 achiever to to lawrence fishman's character he's like well you know after the scandal breaks and and jude law kind of is like um like this achiever guy is a bad dude and he's you know protecting him his family before the general public um and and uh and brian cranston's character says to Lawrence Fishburne character, well, like you're going to be held in front of Congress when this is all over and 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 uh, everything, but like you're the only one who can keep doing this work, so we have to keep yeah. you on. You know, like normally you'd be fired, but this is an emergency, and we have to, you know, you have to stay with us and help us get through this, and that, and then you'll deal with the consequences. Well, and, and like you just have to look at like like even if even if the movie maybe uh, to its credit is trying something, you just have to look at like. Okay, so on one side, on the the government side, we have these these suite of heroes, right? Where like there's Marion Cotillard, there's Kate Winslet, there's Lawrence Fishburne, there's Jennifer Ely, um, and like they're all they're all these heroic figures. Uh, Elliot Gould too, who's great. I always love to see him in a movie. Um, oh yeah, they're and and they're all like going to great lengths and taking great risks and working so hard to get this done. And then on the other side, the people, I I guess. I don't want to give myself this perspective, but like the the criticisms of the government are put in the mouth of Jude Law's character, who is portrayed yeah. as a like fake news conspiracy theorist and also swindler. Like his whole criticism of the government and therefore the main criticism of the government that operates in this movie is from a man who's trying to sell snake oil. Yeah. Like the, the, his whole purpose for being as critical as he is and using his platform to critique the government's response is so he can sell this fake cure that he's making money off of. Yeah. And and so, like, there's a sense in this movie's opinion where it's saying, like, no, we have to pay attention to the professionals because the people who 
are crit- critiquing them have agendas of their own and their agendas are even worse or or uh more self-serving than uh the governments could be and therefore we have I, to have faith i think you're i think there's kind of two issues that i'd have with that one i think that the jude log character I, I think that side plot generally doesn't work that well for me um but i do especially in the wake of, of coronavirus here i do find it or at least part of it accurate, right? Like there were people selling like Alex Jones. I think Alex Jones literally and also elder Alex Jones types. I mean, selling I mean, various supplements and stuff that I mean, also the president is like, like picked sure. some made up, you know, cure and yeah. was tweeting about it. You know what I mean? Like, like that shit is happening. I, I, I yeah, think well, the- I mean, that was, that's one of my big problems with it, right? Is like, that's the very 2011 thing about this is that we thought in 2011 that the fake news people, the people profiteering off of paranoia and fears misappropriated were going to be fringe conspiracy theorists on the internet, not the fucking actual government. Yeah. I think one of the biggest, and, and this is like just a minor thing that I think really undermines um, and, and is a very 2011 thing that of the Jude Law thing is, is uh, a plot is, you know, some of the language they use, like, oh, he's like, you know, oh, the, the blogosphere and like, so you know, yeah, it's, like, it's like, good. like the early conception of what's like social media is or means, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, it's, 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 it's so grounded in like an early, like, and, and not even that early in understanding of the blogosphere, but like what some like what Hollywood executives in the year 2011 it's, thought like the internet was like, and like, it right. wasn't even right at the time, yeah. um, <laughs> which so is what's funny. even it's funnier like, about uh, it. It's like the the doctor in Twin Peaks: The Return who has the golden shovel and he's like, "Shovel yourself out of this shit," but like non-ironic. It's like that was like what these people were actually like trying, like what they thought the internet was looking like. It was like like Jude Law's character has a blog called Truth Serum, and he's like this ranting, raving conspiracy theorist, like Alex Jones, I guess. And he has this gigantic platform, and I I was very frustrated by the idea that like. All of the criticism of the government that happens in this movie is conflated with his character. Yeah, uh, I, and- I, 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 I think I have to disagree just a little bit, right? Like, I, I think that um, uh, I guess the problem that I had with what you said earlier is I think you are are conflating the individual actors who work for various gov- governmental agencies who are portrayed as heroic most of the time, obviously self serving uh, from time to time. I think. There is maybe a bit of a problem with conflating them with larger criticism of the government, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, they I are think, the stand-ins, right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe not. I think the, the government kind of, I think, is a, a kind of out of reach of the uh, uh, the aims of this film, right? Or it's, it, the government as like this this larger acting political body is kind of like this this higher figure who the orders kind of come down, but you don't actually see the actual decision makers from that I standpoint. Guess. I don't right? know. Like I you mean, don't see I... the president. You don't see there, there's a mention of a member of Congress uh, yeah. getting sick, I but, believe. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that like, like the, the competence that those people evoke the, the, like the, the deep competence and, uh, and ability of the Lawrence Fishburne character or the Jennifer Ely character. It was suggestive to me of what this movie wants you to think of government responders writ large. It was like, oh, like the the government is good because they put people like this in charge of 
the response because we have people like Kate Winslet who is dying and still gives up her coat or people like Lawrence Fishburne who like is so prepared to respond to this crisis and, and has such grace under pressure and or like Jennifer Ely who like who has this this brilliant breakthrough where she solves the she cures the virus and then she goes and and she has that great speech with her uh, um, dad dad. Yeah. about it it was like to me all of that was suggestive of the idea that like oh these are the people who who are in charge and like these are the people who i should have faith in i um, I, I took I, that to be individual I, actors who were doing their jobs who were given orders by the ones in charge who are yeah but they're doing their yeah, job i don't know i, I mean they're literally yeah, doing i know but I, I guess i believe that people like that exist in real life and i don't i don't think that they're you know the head of the world health organization or donald trump or but, anybody but what i'm saying cabinet, is that the, right? the movie but, makes you come away with a belief and a faith in those institutions through those people i mean right I, because because and I, I and i think where harry is right is that like we don't see like the interference really from like the political actors um you know that would exist in such an i mean there, that do. i mean we're um, seeing it right now you know what i mean like yeah like like we don't see like that side of it except through the eyes of um you know the uh, of Jude Law's character. Um, to to and, Aaron's point, though, like I, I I don't think Aaron's wrong. Like I don't think the movie wants you no, to I come away Aaron's... with a lot of faith in in government institutions. I'm just being sort of a stickler right now, or like, and maybe I'm being too harsh. But like that that was sort of like my like behind the scenes sort of like takeaway reading from those decisions. Yeah. I don't think that the movie wants you to get all the way there. I just don't think that the movie does a good enough job of stopping you from getting there. Like, yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I, think, yeah. I think that the individual actors are as far as you w- they want you to go with this. Is that yeah. like? But I think that I it's- think there's a problem with that being divorced from a larger system. Yes, um, I, I think that this movie is. You but know, also, this that's is not what the movie's going for. for. Well, yeah, yeah, but it's, it 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 reads <laughs> like differently like in 2020 when that, you know, that was my uh, big problem Trump. with it. And like, yeah. yeah, you're right. It's not. It's not entirely fair to leverage that against this movie, uh, because it's a blockbuster. You know, it's like a Soderbergh blockbuster. It's not. But a on the other hand, like, I don't understand what you, in the in the absence of a critique like that, like, and and again, like, like maybe this is me literally, like, this is a weakness of of my uh, critical capacity right now in the time of coronavirus. <laughs> but like, yeah. I don't understand why you do a pandemic movie if if the point of the movie isn't crit- to critique systems, right? Like, um, like it's because, like what do you because it's a it's a 2011 film. Uh, Obama's still in office. Uh, yeah, the ACA I mean that's passed. that's exactly the year right. Before, that's a... there's no discussion in this film about how people pay for the virus. I mean, it's it's handed out by the government. Uh, yeah, right. But there's 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 no question around like medical bills or anything like that. There's also some so yeah. optimistic. Right Aaron now. is correct. I think on this point, yeah. There's also some some very uh, like casual uh condescension about the public sphere where like there's which also struck me as very 2011 where it's just like oh like we can just show looters all of a sudden and and the the audience will just understand that looters are in an in inevitability of societal breakdown like oh like in in a world where where the government isn't there to take care of people like looters will inevitably occur like the the fact that they didn't even they didn't even do a lot of work to set up looting it was just like all of a sudden there just were looters like i think that they that there was a there was a shortage of the cure right and then yeah. like somebody threw a chair through a window and then yes. there were just looters everywhere it was literally a trash can being thrown through a pizza shop and uh, it's like, but without man, any racial element. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, and it was, it, it's just like, man, like, like we're going through that shit for real. And like, I'm afraid to like, like 
I want to, I just call my grandparents, right? Like that, that's like my, yeah. my response. And I feel like the, the public's response to things. <laughs> so it was yeah. funny that there was like some casual, especially again, when like, like all of the, the, um, intelligentsia community in this movie are portrayed so well. It's like, well, we've got looters and then we've got yeah. like superheroes. I think, a, I think a good way to put it is that the, the, the effective characters in this film, the competent characters, the characters doing most of the work are all people who exist within uh, power structures that are seen as legitimate, right? Like yeah. there is no Jude Law character who is yes, a, an that's independent exactly my, Yeah, That's is, the crux of my problem. Who, who is actually reporting on valuable stuff, which is what's happening right now. There are which a lot of what's independent actually happening. Uh, bloggers and such that are, that are actually doing a lot of good work, yeah. frankly, I mean, about the coronavirus outside of it. Right. Um, so it yeah. also does, it, it has this, this trust in even kind of, uh, you know, what's seen as legitimate media sources and such as well. Right. And, and the only time in the movie where like a government response is seen as inadequate or, or failing is, is, I mean, it's that woman who doesn't want to close malls on the biggest shopping weekend, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the or, ironically, uh, the Minnesota health department, like that's the only yeah, time. Bro. There's, there's one other, again, this is a purely script mention. We don't actually see it, but like there's mention of, I think uh, Kate Winslet being delayed because a congressman uh, chartered a <laughs> private flight. Uh, and so, like, it, there's some, like, political cronyism happening in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and I think, Harry, what I think is so ironic about that, actually, too, is that, uh, and, and this is just a, a plot nitpick, um, but, you know, the idea is that uh, Kate Winslet can't get out of Minneapolis because the only available transport is, like, a military plane or something, um, and a congressman right. is, 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 you know, co-opted it, basically. Um, and I just think that that's actually kind of funny because it's, like, is it actually worth the resources? Like, like this is actually a, sort of a failure of Lawrence Fishburne's character that he wants to devote the resources, you know, to getting this one epidemiologist out of Minneapolis right. rather than, you know what I mean? Like, 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 is that actually that much better of a thing if she's already been sidelined? I don't know. Compared maybe a congressman from Illinois. Well, I'm not saying the Congress. I'm not saying the congressman is a is 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 a good. He's saying that it's it's just it's just also like is 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 getting one person out the best use of like a, the only military plane I, maybe not right. I don't know but also I'm I'm not an expert so but but also like like all of this all of this culminates with like one of the maybe the big ironies of watching this this movie in the time of coronavirus uh, and it's like it's like a really depressing irony which is that like this movie is less scary than what is happening to us right now despite the fact that it's like trying really hard to be a horror movie and it like it goes out of its way to show the the effects of like the deaths of people and how scary that mm -hmm. is it's still like like ultimately this movie's conception of what a realistic outbreak looks like is a government doing its job and doing it well and like yeah. that's that's where <laughs> things fall apart for me is that like wow like like reality is scarier and messier than that because our government is not competent <laughs> and, i i and actually it, harry had the same reaction and like i i remember i, mean, I watched it a couple week, weeks ago and i remember thinking like uh maybe this is a bad idea you know maybe this is going to totally freak me right. out but yeah. i can't but I, I sort of actually came away from the movie like and this was before it actually started getting really bad um in in the united states but i was like um, I was like, I was almost comforted by this movie because it was like, wow, you know, like these people are doing their jobs and, you know, yes, yes there's a few scary scenes with the looting and the whatever, but like by and large, like it, it was, it was it, like I said, it was comforting in a way. And, it's and, a and actually movie. like, and, and then like everything that happens as that happened has happened in real life since then, um, uh, considerably less comforting than, than the experience of watching this movie. Yeah. I, it's I, uh, during the scene of Kate Winslet. 
during the scene <laughs> of Kate Winslet talking to the the woman who wanted to like shut down the the malls and stuff on the biggest shopping weekend. I kept I just kept thinking about like her explaining this to like anybody from Trump's like White House. Yeah, dude. <laughs> just <laughs> just like explaining just like what basic acronyms mean, you know what I mean? Like what the World Health Organization is to them. It's so funny though know. that like like in its own way this this movie is is imminently worth watching as like a time capsule because yeah. like it it's like a it's like a report from what we thought was like this very brief second enlightenment age right where it was like it was like Obama administration and like the dark days are behind us and like we're entering a new world of like of like political uh competence and understanding the likes of which we've never seen before and like holy shit you guys like this is all gonna operate the way it should and like we're, we're all gonna be all right and it's like wow like that's where we were at in 2011 huh not so much it turns uh, out i'm ready i'm ready to uh say that this film is uh neoliberal trash actually now so uh me too Harry, but you got me there nice me job too, man unironically yeah uh, <laughs> i gave it a, i gave it a three and a half on letterbox it's a fine film I think I gave it a three. I it, it is a good thriller that just has some a lot of political stuff going on. Um, also, I, 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 I think that's right, Aaron. It's a fine film. It's a fine, fine film. film. Yes, it's fine a fine film. film. I, I gave it's it a three and a half too. It's also kind of hateful of women. Uh, it particularly like the the Gwyneth Paltrow character is so weird because like the whole movie it like shits on her really hard for having an extramarital affair like in a really weird personal way over and over again. <laughs> where where <laughs> like it. It like all of it comes out and says like oh like the reason that like that this spread the way it did is because she had that affair or like the affair is such a weirdly intertwined part of this story in a way that feels unnecessary to me. Um, I I I see what you're saying. I think that I actually liked maybe not how it treated her character, but I, I liked how it examined Matt Damon's response because it's it it showed kind of the how this this kind of cold uncaring uh ec- epidemic impacted people on like a human level sure I that's an interesting point. i like how it related with matt damon's character maybe maybe that's maybe that's true about well uh, and, and i think that they were they were trying to square the circle of their like their ultimate sort of um uh, ideology about people, which is that they're like imperfect and human and self-serving, but ultimately still good people, right? Which is like the recurrent theme in this movie about most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like, except for Jude Law, who this movie hates like nobody. Remember how there's that <laughs> scene where he has that partner that's pregnant and he won't help her? That That's just a thing that happens in the middle of this movie and then they just keep going? <laughs> Um, <laughs> just just to like just to like really drive home that like hey Jude Law's the worst human being who's ever Here's existed. The thing. That is a very Alex Jones thing to do. It's true. So it does kind of work <laughs> for me in that manner. I thought, I, thought Jones that, yeah. to me. I thought it was really funny. And it didn't help. Called Lawrence Fishburne a coward. <laughs> it didn't help that like Harry. I think you had mentioned like everybody in this movie talks like they're in a movie. Nobody does that more than Jude Law. Uh, there was a transition where like they're pivoting to his subplot and he just goes, Oh, now it all changes. Which is like, okay, uh, <laughs> generic screenplay. Uh, and then he, there's, there's one, I, I think he, it was one of his conversations with that dude on the bench who he's like collaborating with or something. And he goes like semi sarcastically, uh, that's who I am. That's the brand. He's like, Oh boy. Like this that's, is, that's the brand character. is a really funny line. Yeah. Yeah. But, but also, but also something I say. 
about myself <laughs> and about the people that I'm talking to right now. Yeah, but it's genuine and sweet, and that actually is your brand. <laughs> True. Hey, guys, can we talk about the uh, the most important part of this film, which is the fact they shout out Lake and Lindale specifically? Yeah, dude, they shout out Minnesota my fucking bus. Yeah. yeah, that's Cody's yeah, bus. That, that dude got sick on your bus, dude. I'm taking yeah. that bus to work. Yeah, that is, a, that is an affront uh, to my bus and my city. Um, I just was thinking, I, I, I kind of, I felt bad. Uh, I'm going to tell myself, but I was like, someone had like texted me or someone messaged me on Twitter or something. I looked down at my phone and it was like reading it while the movie was playing. And then they said Lake Lindale and I had like a, like a Pavlovian response. I like, <laughs> immediately to be like, oh, you should just get off the bus, go to Uptown. Just Uptown's right there, dude. Just go grab a drink. Go play some arcade games. Oh, you didn't talk about uh, Lindor? Right Lindor's next door, right grab a sandwich. Too. Oh, damn. They should, they should the go to the pressure of your though. voice in your head, and it's, like, not flattering. Blue door is good, but yes, you go to uh, you go to the sandwich spot. Which What's that sandwich spot? Is it uh, McCaffrey's? Right McCaffrey's. McCaffrey's. Yeah. Best, that is the, the best sandwich it's I've ever great. had there. Yeah, yeah. You should go to that place. Yeah. You know, Many people are saying. More and more uh, here's the trick. Here's the here's the. In case anybody is listening to this, uh, I assume most of the people listening to this would be Minnesota, Minneapolis people. Uh, go to Caffrey's, get the blue cow. Okay, you gotta like blue cheese. So if you don't like blue cheese and roast beef, then you can't eat it. But you get the blue cow. Holy and shit! You get that sounds really the jalapeno good. chips. You put the jalapeno chips on that sandwich. That is Yo. the best sandwich I've ever had. Number one. This in like good. September. You, yeah, if, yeah. Do that. Do, do that when we're all yeah. not dead. Yeah. Um. Um, Let's, I think we we set out to cover the the side plots, and we ended up after jumping into one, jumping into all of them. Which good job, everyone! Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, we did get see. to all, most of them. Yeah, I, I was uh, going to say uh, bad. What? I I would like to say I think I think um uh, this this movie is also a very 2011 ass movie because of uh, Brian Cranston's presence at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude. And, like you know, this is like this is like. Breaking Bad is sort of like breaking through, I think. I don't actually know the timeline on Breaking Bad. But anyway, Brian Cranston is like in the movie, but he's like, and I kept forgetting that he's in the movie until he shows up on screen um, because, again, he sort of is well, like yeah. running he the government. He has like three scenes and they're like, they're like half an hour a piece, like spread apart a piece. And he's only in every scene for like two minutes. And so like, it's just like him dropping back in to say hello. Yeah. It's like, hey, yeah. like you're, you're, uh, Real- suspension of reality is being broken literally constantly, but I'm just here to do it again. <laughs> it's just like this was that this was that weird couple year period where the Cran Man was in a handful of movies, and maybe like, like I think he only yeah. starred in like Trumball. Uh, was that the yeah. name of that movie? Yes. Um, yes. And then and then he was like a very decorated uh, or non decorated side character in the rest of them. Um, yeah, he's I kept a, yeah. forgetting he was in it. He he's just in like yeah he was just in like every movie, but just like. Not the main character in some. Him and John you know, Ham, yeah, they yeah. Big, big TV stars. Oh yeah, John never, Ham's another good. Yeah, exactly. TV legends breaking through to movies. Yeah, uh, this would have been right in the midst of uh, Breaking Bad mania because I remember yeah. one of the people on my floor from freshman year, which in college was was 2011, so I'm dating myself. Uh, was trying to get me into Breaking Bad. I think it was like third season at that point, so it was right when it really got good. He had shaved his head at that point. Uh, I mean, I mean, listen. Like, here, here's just like a, a, a starting in 2011, just like a sampling of some of the Brian Cranston movies: um, The Lincoln Lawyer, Drive, Batman. Uh, or, sorry, not Batman. Uh, Contagion. Oh, good in Drive, though. I, he's um, great in Drive. I forgot he was in that. Argo, uh, 2012, Red Tails, John Carter, uh, 2014, Godzilla, yeah. 2015, Trumbo. You know what I mean? Like, he's just like in like a ton of stuff that like. I don't Have know. you guys seen the 2014 uh, Godzilla? 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not very good. He is acting no. the, his heart out in that movie. Like, yes, he dude, is. My dude thinks he's winning an Oscar. It's wild. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. In that movie. Um, which, you know, uh, I, good for him, I guess. Yeah. Uh, shout out to maybe the, uh, I think clearly the best scene in the movie, uh, the vaccine 57 sequence. Uh, yeah, where it's yeah, just should... Jennifer Ely and a monkey. So Jennifer Ely, um, her partner is uh, Dimitri Martin down in these labs where they're trying to work. Elliot Gould, uh, like sends forth some samples or whatever. He like gets a big break on a vaccine and then because well, he didn't them. follow the rules. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Elliot Gould's character, a real one, I guess. Um, but, but then it's mostly just Jennifer Ely. Uh, we, we see her doing a lot of the legwork and she finally gets through. They're testing monkeys. Um, they get to monkey number 57 and, uh, it's just great, like shot reverse shot with Jennifer Ely and this monkey. Uh, she sees the monkey alive, uh, and she like has this like slight tired smile. Uh, and then we it's get the a best wide shot of the, the two movie, of like far and away. It's so good. It's yeah. so beautiful. Uh, I think uh, Cody, a lot and I, of Cody and I were work remotely watching it together, and I was like, "Holy shit, dude! This <laughs> this sequence is so yeah. good." Yeah, yeah. She, uh, I think Harry, you said that she was like, uh, like maybe above her weight class and besting like cinema titans, like yeah, it's all, wild. all the people th- in this movie. Uh, and you're right. Uh, I think totally she turns right. in the best performance in this movie, and and she's up Definitely. against like a bunch of the most famous people in the world. Uh, <laughs> so that's pretty cool. This Jennifer Ely connection is how we record a podcast episode about the BBC Pride and Prejudice. It's one of my I, would love to, I would love to watch uh, to record do. a podcast on the BBC Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> that sounds great. Okay, because all of my friends prefer the film, but yes, um, but they're both we don't very have to good. Dig into. Uh, we don't have to dig into the characters of, of these. Like we've shouted out so many people. Uh, John Hawks plays a, a custodian at the CDC oh, where yeah. Lauren Fishburne works, um, and then Sanaa Latham is uh, Doctor Cheever uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character's fiance. Um, just like again, like this ensemble is stacked top to top to bottom. John Hawks, within a year of this movie's release, was nominated for a fucking Oscar, and he gets this thankless ass role as a custodian. Um, He's great. John Hawks. He's a great actor. I like him a lot. Yeah. Um, um what, one other, uh, one other, uh, Dimitri Martin moment that I really like, um, and sort of like the, maybe the funniest thing, which makes sense since it's Dimitri Martin doing it, but he's just like, they're like in the lab and they're like in their, like, you know, in inflated suits and like they're in all the protective equipment. And Dimitri Martin just sort of like idly speculates about like what, like the world is out is like, I like, you know, out yeah. out there, and he, he says something about like Thanksgiving or something, and it's just like it's such a mundane sort of observation, but it's just like you know, sort of the the situational irony of 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 them working on this vaccine for this crazy disease that's taking over the world. You know, right? This is this movie is always a capital M movie in terms yeah. of like the, the plotting <laughs> and scripting, but sometimes it works really well. Uh, like the the Jennifer Ely scene where she she has this like prepared monologue. Uh, talking to her dad, she exposes herself to her. Well, she she comes into contact with. She doesn't expose herself to uh, her sick dad <laughs> in a hospital bed. Um, and and he's freaking out. Uh, and it's okay because she's already inoculated herself with with her cure. And so she's testing the cure to see if it works. Um, and she has this monologue about how uh, the guy who invented the polio vaccine, I believe. 
Is that right? Am I? That, that sounds right. I can't remember. He, he did the same thing, and they have this this conversation about it, and it like that's probably the best scene in the movie, uh, in my opinion, because <laughs> like she kills it, uh, and it's just like a really. Good, but like that's that's also just the most movie scene. Is that like yes, of course the the woman who solves this cure is, is going to have a monologue situating her place in history and like, like comparing <laughs> herself to others and, and like talking about like, like the themes of the movie that she's going to be able to present to her sick father. Uh, it's like very much the thesis statement of this entire movie, but like it still worked for me. Uh, and so like there are, I think that, that you guys are right, right. That like, this is a fine film because like <laughs> it can do stuff like that. Capital F. Fine yeah. Film. Yeah, it's not uh, like it's not like an, an enduring work of art. I don't necessarily think, but uh, yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, the other scene that I really liked um, was the, I guess, technically the second to last scene where uh, Matt Damon's character puts together a, a fake like prom or homecoming or whatever for his his teenage daughter. Oh man, um, see that made me roll my eyes so hard. It's so I, bad, dude. I, I I I liked it. Um it's it's here's the thing. It's it's twofold because it's like using that uh that U two song um like is is kind of like a cheat code to to get me to really like your movie. But really? no teenager, even in two thousand eleven no is choosing U two off of an iPod. Are you fucking kidding they me? They had they had Taken syndrome. We're like, remember how in Taken, uh, the Taken guy's daughter is going on a, a tour of Europe to see U2 play a bunch of times? She's like following U2 tour through Europe. And it's like, what the, like, what fucking teenager is following U2 through Europe? That's how I None felt about teenagers. this scene, too. It's like, who's, what, these teenagers should be like, Dad, what is this music you're playing? Can we please listen to something from this century? That's hilarious. And yes. commentary. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Cody. I, that scene didn't work for me at all. But yeah, uh, I, I that's don't okay. Either. You're saying that Matt Damon's uh, daughter did not love U2's uh, previous album, No Line on the Horizon, from 2006. Uh, that that was her favorite band at that point. I didn't know that album existed. Yeah, neither did I. Uh, you know, I shouldn't shit on U2 too much, but uh, you can shit on U2 a little oh, bit. Yeah, they had they had that How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, but that was like that was popular when I was a young kid. Like, no, yeah. she. She was yeah, much younger than me, yeah. They put out that whole album on YouTube or on uh iTunes without people's consent. That was that was three years later. I did look that up because I thought that'd be a good joke, but no, that's twenty fourteen. <laughs> no, I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> and those album original files have been spying on us ever since. Your activity. Hopefully you deleted those. You scrubbed them from your hard drive. Damn, dude. Cody's on some Jude Law shit right now. That's well, the brand. Yeah. Uh it's a it's a, a digital virus, think about it. It's like a virus, um, but it's Online. Do we have do we have Cody's noties? Is it time Uh-oh. for? Yeah, I feel like we're, we're there. We're, we're sort of running out of things to say. <laughs> um, I have uh, I have a couple of noties. Um, first one is really quick. Um, I loved that when uh, Jennifer Ely and Dimitri Martin were like, they basically entered the Disney vault of like plague viruses. Like that, that oh, deep, yes. that, that <laughs> deep storage, like that freezer. They just like put it, like oh, we're gonna put in the MEV one or whatever it's called. Yeah, they stick it right next to SARS and polio yeah. or whatever the hell yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. you, you remember the Lion like King one and a half, labels. don't you? Here that is. Yeah, it's like fucking labeled like SARS. That's you know so what I mean? fucking good. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> I that, know I... that that legit. That was the eye roll scene for me. I was just like, okay, like we get it. I don't know. It was silly. Um, 
But uh, and then <laughs> the other one, um, I did want to shout out. Uh, there is some humor in this movie um, through a few like concentrated places. Um, uh, I like Matt Damon made me audibly laugh a couple times. He just said like some really like we're talking about how basic this screenplay can be at uh, like at some points, but he just says some really inane everyday shit that just made me laugh. Um, I don't know uh, when um, he was explaining to so he he hears that his his wife. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow has passed away and he's talking to uh, some doctors in the aftermath and you know, he was asked you know like what they were doing like you know what like what happened leading up to her collapse and then her death and he was like I mean we had dinner I mean we had pizza <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some really good lines again like like the the sense this movie doesn't entirely work for me in that way because like there's there's such a sense for scenes like that that they have to have those scenes where it's like when i when we watch the matt damon reacts to hearing that his wife is dead scene i'm thinking to myself already like okay i've seen this scene a thousand times so you got to show me something you got to like put some english on that ball right and it's like like when when you have to set up a scene that way it, it it's sort of undermining the emotional weight of the movie in the first place um, right. That being said, they do find some pretty good, like ways to work yeah. on it. Uh, my yeah. favorite thing with Matt Damon is when uh, he's told that that it's possible that she contracted the disease from the guy in Chicago. Uh, who is this guy? He clearly has history with because she was like John Neal. Yeah, and and he's like that guy, and like he he like freaks out about about the fact that 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 <laughs> asshole has to like be involved, and like there's some sense in which he's like, you're telling me that my daughter might have that guy's disease, and it's like it's yeah. extremely funny that like that was his takeaway, and very I, human. I was laughing through that entire sequence, no joke, um, because Kate Winslet played it really well too. Um, like she was uh, like all covered up and you know interviewing him from a safe distance, and she was asking like very leading ass questions about this like all but saying that his wife was having an affair yeah um and like i don't she was just like her just like deadpan while she was waiting for him to respond uh and just like judging his ass um and right the whole it, is john neil sick did we get this from him <laughs> like, yeah yeah very, very funny, funny. Uh, that scene just works in general because, like, it turns out that I think that they both kind of suck in real life, but Kate Winslet and Matt Damon are both really good actors. Uh, and so, like, seeing them together in a room playing off of each other works really well. I think um, Kate Winslet sucked. Does Matt Damon suck? Doesn't he kind of suck? Maybe he just has blood from Ben Affleck's fallout on him. I'm, and I'm yeah, associating that's, him that's what that. I'm thinking. There's the whole, like, I don't know, Kate Winslet uh, is Woody Allen's bud or whatever, which yeah. I don't need. Sucks. I like to. I like to think that um, Matt Damon in this movie is this is this is what happened. This is like his life story before The Martian, um, when he. <laughs> Hell <laughs> like yeah! It's, it's, it's the same character. Um, <laughs> this is the part of the Martian cinematic Dude, great universe. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, any other noties, Cody? Did we ever no, learn why no, those he are was my immune? Noties. By the way, sorry, here. What's that? Did we ever learn why he was immune to the virus? I think it's just a genetic thing that that happens with. He's Matt yeah. fucking Damon, bro. Also he bad. just has a fucking genetic mut. He's like a witcher. He just has a mutation that makes him immune to. Well, I'm sure that's just a pretty common thing. Yeah. Yeah, like some people just have the different antibodies. I think it's yeah. Whenever you talk to like an older, uh, usually uh, male dude at your work, who's just like, yeah, I don't get sick. It's like it's that guy. 
That is Matt Herman. I don't, I don't get sick, guy. He's like, yeah, no, it's, I don't get sick. I haven't been sick in 45 years. That's Matt I've been David. building up my immunity for the past 45 years by not yeah. washing my hands ever. I just I get, get sick, the counter bro. every day. Yeah, I don't get sick. Yeah. No socks. <laughs> no socks. The mats. Uh, <laughs> All right, fellas. I think that is uh, wrapping up the do, episode. Uh, recommendations, by the way. One more thing. I don't fucking, uh, stay inside is the fucking recommendation. <laughs> Social distance, motherfuckers. <laughs> Got do not talk to other people. That's do right. not go outside. Yes. Wash uh, your no, hands. Harry, Harry, do you have any recommendations? Uh, Shin Godzilla is like a another yes. sort of like government response uh, crisis movie uh, that I think oh, does I a lot of stuff movie. way better than this movie does. Um, it also ends up at a place of hope, but that hope is much more hard won and much more about uh, fundamentally reexamining the ways in which our government structures work. Um, yes. And and so in some ways, it's it's maybe more uh, it's openly critical of of yeah. the government, for example, <laughs> in right. a way that this movie doesn't quite being, get to. <laughs> and 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 ultimately, you don't come away with the like prevailing sense of comfort that this movie <laughs> ends up with. Uh, but yeah, um, oh, uh, the last scene of this movie is really bad, in my opinion. Um, also, but Shin Godzilla has a better final scene, so that's one more reason to watch Shin Godzilla, I guess. But also, yeah, wash your hands and everything. That's my recommendation. Cody, you got any recs? Um, I'm going to go like very loosely tangentially related um, and just give straight up zombie movie recommendations uh, because I didn't think about these before now. Um, 28 Days Later is very good. Um, and also, if you don't mind being like truly frightened, um, I think, Kyle, you said like Contagion felt like more of a feel-good experience than you were anticipating just because of how like co- yeah. cozily the movie was made and uh, and... I, I definitely, I, I agree with that a lot. If you don't mind getting a little scared, um, there's 28 Days Later. Um, I'm one of the people in this world who really likes World War Z. Um, uh, it has nothing to do with the book that it is quote unquote based off of, um, but I don't give a shit about books. Uh, and Wow. Uh, uh, I, don't know, I only kind of don't give a shit about it. I didn't read the book. I, I would like to read that it. book someday. Uh, but I did like the that World War Z independently uh, not independently made, but like, I don't know. It had nothing to do with its source material. Um, I like it a lot. And I'm sure there are plenty of other zombie movies that I love that I can recommend later if people would like those. Okay. Uh, Kyle, not putting you on the spot. Anything you can think of, feel free to just say no. Um, I, I, I stand, the, I already talked about this, but I stand The Martian so hard. Um, and it's nice. not related to Contagions at all, but Matt Damon is in it. And I really <laughs> like it. Really yeah. Yeah. They're related. Yeah. Right after, yeah. Also, he became an astronaut uh, because of the trauma that he had uh, yeah, exactly. experienced, yes. Also, I have not watched this, but I hear there's a show on Netflix called Kingdom, which is a zombie outbreak movie set oh, in like, like 17th century yeah. Korea, yeah. Korea or something. Yeah. Um, and I've been meaning to, to dive into that. Um, and the, the, the premise itself is convincing enough to make me It looks pretty sick. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, sounds good. If there's nothing else, then I will say thank you for listening to Trilove, a formerly literal roundtable podcast, formerly about the movies you saw at the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Once again, you can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. You can find the Trilon on Twitter at Trilon Cinema. Uh, my name is Aaron. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at RB Please. I'm Cody. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. I'm Harry. You can find me at Shiitake Harry. Uh, and I'm Kyle. Thanks. Uh, Kyle. Hey, thanks for joining us, Thanks Kyle. for joining, man. Yeah, we appreciate it. 
Maybe well, sometime in person in the future. You know, you can you can hang out with us, Kyle. Can't We're wait to. The old... Can't wait to discuss come and see. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, can't Nick wait. Grossman, Nick come Grossman on the pod. On the pod. <laughs> Once again. And stop touching your face, Dave. <laughs>